Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Random Health-ish. I am your host, Dr. Gloria Stone Osbeck, and today we have a very, very special guest tonight. I am so excited to bring her on. But first, before I bring her on, I would like to put a disclaimer out there, okay? Um, so the topic that we are going to be discussing tonight is the COVID-19 vaccination. Um, we encourage everyone to make an informed decision. Consult with your primary care physician if you have any questions or concerns um, because they know your medical conditions better than we do. But we are going to be giving you our opinions and having open discussion so that you can ask the questions that you want to know as well. So without further ado, I would like to welcome nurse practitioner, Ms. Tamika Morrow. Hello, everyone. Hello. <laughs> First of all, I just want to say thank you so much for blessing us with your presence today. I am so excited to have you on this show. Thank you for um, having me. So for those of you who do not know Ms. Tamika, she is a nurse practitioner based in Michigan. Um, and she has her own private practice and she is going to be, you know, giving us a little education about the vaccine. So, Ms. Samika, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. Um, so I am a primary care provider. I've been um, doing primary care and internal medicine for over 12 years now. Um, my goal in primary care was, it well, still is, but I say it was because I kind of transitioned more to holistic over the last four years. But initially I went into primary care because I saw especially a lot of devastation in our community, especially with the diabetes epidemic. You know, African-Americans were number one with the amputations, number one, you know, with the renal failure, secondary to diabetes, number one, losing their vision. And so I was like, you know, we really don't have to suffer complications from a disease that can be treated and managed. Yeah. So my goal initially when I started out was to be able to help those diabetic patients, you know, to get those numbers good, to, you know, stop them from suffering complications. Um, but then as I continue internal medicine and how the state of healthcare is and seeing 30 and plus patients a day, mm -hmm. that started becoming a little unrealistic <laughs> because <laughs> right. it, it was crazy. Um, so that's what made me venture off on my own. And I was still going down that path. And then I had this epiphany one day that, you know, with traditional medicine, we're waiting for people to get sick. Yeah. You know, I had this patient come to the office and she was what we call pre-diabetic. So A1C wasn't high enough to give the diagnosis of diabetes, but she was teetering there, you know. So I did the standard traditional medical model, you know, what we're supposed to do. It's like, yeah, you're not better. Come back in six months. We'll start you on some treatment, blah, blah, blah. And it was like at that moment, I felt like I just failed my patient. Mm -hmm. It's like I'm waiting for her to get sick. And I was mm -hmm. like, what are we doing to stop them from getting sick? You know, what are we doing to prevent them from going down that route? And so then that became my new passion. And it was like the Lord just let me know, like he's given us everything pertaining to life and godliness, you know, so we don't have to get sick. And I'm like, yes, you know, yes. and so it that became my new motivation. So whatever I can do to educate, you know, to empower and to prevent sickness and disease. You know, that's my go-to, that's my passion, and that's why I'm here tonight. Yes, oh, oh my God, <laughs> I love it. That is so true though. I think that um, in traditional Western medicine, it's like when you go to the emergency room, mm -hmm. if you really don't have a complaint, it's, um, they can't treat you. Right. You know, so it's mm -hmm. like, we wanna be uh, proactive, not reactive. 
Exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. Prevention is key. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So let's just dive right into it, Miss Tamika. So okay. everybody is going crazy. They're like, oh, I'm taking a vaccination. Don't take the vaccination. It's like mm -hmm. it's so much um, going back and forth with this topic. Mm -hmm. So I saw your video. So can you tell me your opinion about um, this new vaccination that's out right now? Sure. Um, I'm trying to think, where do I start? It's not so many layers. Let me just go straight to the vaccine. So my opinion about the vaccine is um, it's a new technology. Yes. Okay. So just for your fact checkers out there, um, the vax, the mRNA vaccine, that's what they're doing. Um, it was used before in human trials but it stopped at the trials. It never got out of trials. Right. So if you want to fact check me on that. So this is the first time that it's actually being used on a global scale to all human beings. And even in the trials, the trials was within the last five years. Mm -hmm. So the issue with the vaccine that I have is the fact that it is a new technology, you know, that has truly never been used in humans on this massive global scale that we're seeing they're trying to do right now. And because it's new, we don't know what the long term complications or what the long term side effects can be from it. Um, and no one can tell you that. So, you know, with the fact checkers, you know, when I say some things, of course, there's no data out there to support it right now because the vaccine itself is new. Mm -hmm. So they don't have that long term data to say yay or nay to what I'm saying. Um, but what I wanted to say about the, the vaccine, so when you talk about messenger RNA, um, the regular vaccines that they do, they usually give people like just exposure to the actual virus, whether mm -hmm. it's a dead part of the virus where they killed the virus um, or just a small amount of the live where it won't necessarily cause an infection, but yeah. allow your immune system to respond. Right. But this particular time, they're not giving you just for clarification, they're not this way from what we've been told yeah. <laughs> i'll put it this way because i ain't make it up in the labs so i don't know <laughs> what we're being told they're not actually injecting you with coronavirus but they're injecting with the messenger rna of the virus mm -hmm. and so what that's going to do is send a signal to your body to produce the spike proteins that's the common thing with the coronavirus mm -hmm. and once your body um, produces those spike proteins of course it's foreign to the body so the immune system will you know elicit a response of mm -hmm. antibodies to attack it yes and so the thought behind it is if you you know are exposed to that you got the antibodies present that if you come in contact with coronavirus um, down the line that you have some level of treatment there so the interesting thing with the vaccine, they said they can't guarantee that you won't get coronavirus. So yeah. there is no guarantee that taking the vaccine is going to keep you away from coronavirus. What they're hoping is if you get exposed to it, that it will um, you'll have like minimal effects, you know, like minimal issues and it won't be so severe. They're hoping. Yes. Once again, they don't know. Um, so so that's kind of how that goes. My issue with it is few issues with it. Tell me if I'm talking too much, okay? No, no. Back, just let me know. <laughs> My issues with it is that, for one, coronavirus is not new. Mm -hmm. It's old, yes. um, very old. It's been here in America before. Mm -hmm. And back in 2003, you know, you had a virus, a coronavirus that was out. And that's when they started doing a lot of studies trying vaccines. Back at that time, when they were trying to produce a vaccine for coronavirus then, 
the, the study failed. At that moment, they were using animal trials mm -hmm. and they were trying it with animals. And what they found out from that study that when the animals came back in contact with the virus, it, it created like this crazy immune response, mm -hmm. like really, really bad immunopathology. I mean, even lethal to some of the animals who had received the vaccine. So at that moment, you know, they stopped the whole trials like, you know what? I don't think a vaccine is going to be safe in humans. <laughs> um, right. And they also said that because of the type of pathogen coronavirus is, they call it zoonotic pathogen, mm -hmm. which means it can go from animals to humans and vice versa. They didn't think it, it was possible to even create a successful vaccine yeah. for coronavirus. Yeah. So that's one element. So then when they did this whole messenger RNA um, for the coronavirus vaccine, they bypassed animal trials. Mm -hmm. They didn't go to animals. They went straight to human beings. Um, so that's another thing. So we really, truly don't have enough data. And then the data that I, I printed out, but I don't want to go through all these pages, but <laughs> the data that they tell us in regards to safety, they say, oh, you get the injection site pain. You may get some fatigue, you know, fever, lymph nodes, swelling, all that type of stuff. But what they're not telling you is the other issues who people who, you know, experience the vaccine, what they had, um, yeah. such as death. Some people mm -hmm. did die. Um, some people end up experiencing like severe neurological issues. Um, it was one guy I know that they were talking about this big thing because he was one of the study participants where he developed neuromyelitis and he had to be hospitalized for some time. And they didn't know at that time whether or not he was going to live or what. Um, but it was a lot of different things. There were some cardiovascular complications that they're not telling you about that people end up developing blood clots, you know, and, and having issues with that. And the, the response that the pharmaceutical companies gave was, well, and, and mind you, these events were happening like within days after they got the vaccine. Yes. And what the pharmaceutical companies were saying, well, we can't necessarily pinpoint that it was the vaccine that caused it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's a concern. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the fact of how the system is set up, you can't sue pharmaceutical companies for exactly. any vaccine. So yeah. you stuck on your own. Um, yeah. The government, the federal government has some type of vaccine registry or whatever um, that if you suffer something, they give you a little bit of money, but it's, it, it won't restore your life. Just FYI. Yeah. So there's no protections for you on that. So that's one element. And so now you talk about this vaccine that we don't know what the long-term complications would be. We see that some people have had even lethal, you know, complications from it. Um, so you want to do that, give somebody a vaccine for a virus. Now let's look at some numbers. You can go to cdc.gov if you don't believe yes. <laughs> or, or even the FDA.gov website. You can go to any of them, right? <laughs> but if you look at the numbers, it says that uh, more than 99% of people, when you get infected with this virus, they get over it and they recover. More than 99%, right? And if you look at the ones who were the, the higher death rates, even the, the elderly, those that's over 74, their survival rates is still greater than 94%, yeah. even though it's over 74. Yeah. You know, so it's like we wanna, we wanna put ourselves in a position to take a vaccine that we don't have enough information about, that we don't know anything about long-term complications with the hopes of possibly present, uh, preventing you from getting a uh, viral infection that most people get over in two to three weeks. Yeah. And so when you think about that, it really truly doesn't make sense. And my concern and the reason why they took my uh, post off Facebook. Oh, um, they took it off? Yes, they did. They're fact checkers. Yeah. Said that there's no um, uh, evidence that it can cause autoimmune disease. 
But the, the funny part about it, like I, I responded back, like it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure some things out. Like I'm into prevention, right? So we don't want to wait till a catastrophic event occur and say, oh, we should have done something. Yes. But if you think about how it works, um, you're, you're in getting injected with something because you got to get two doses. Mm -hmm. and because of the fact that the antibodies aren't sticking around. So the antibodies are things that your immune system produced to attack this foreign antigen, right? Mm -hmm. Man. But because they're not sticking around, they said, hey, you're going to have to do this every year. So think about training. Everybody's been through training before. So it's like now you're going to introduce something to your immune system every year and you're training your immune system to begin attacking something that your own body is producing. So just think about that. Like I said, it doesn't even take a rocket scientist. And if you keep doing this over and over and over again, eventually what I believe can happen is that the immune system, it gets so jacked up where it's not going to know what part that should stay and what part shouldn't stick around. Yeah. And it may start attacking other things. And that's what you call autoimmune disease. Yeah. And the funny thing about the fact checkers, this uh, doctor that they quoted and also researcher and scientists who's been studying and researching, like, I guess, one of the pioneers of the RNA vaccines. He is the one that they quoted as the expert saying that there's no data that said it leads to autoimmune disease. But the funny part, I sent my little rebuttal. I said, oh, interesting. Of all people, that's who you chose, because I read an article that he that quoted him in 2018. Yes. That one of the, 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 the chief safety concerns of RNA vaccines in humans is that it may potentially cause autoimmunity. Yes. So it's like now I'm there going ghost and getting quiet. I'm like, yeah. oh wow, now no response. So <laughs> one of the pioneers of RNA vaccines said that's one of their chief concerns that it can lead to autoimmunity. So when you talk about autoimmune disease, you'd like Tamika, what is that? And why does that matter? Mm -hmm. Autoimmune diseases are some of the most debilitating chronic diseases out there, like mm -hmm. multiple sclerosis, type 1 diabetes, sarcoidosis, mm -hmm. um, another one, polymyositis, um, Sjogren's syndrome. I mean, rheumatoid arthritis, mm -hmm. like all these things that you do not want. Um, like I said, they're debilitating, you know, per medical science, they're lifelong. And it's like, why would you risk doing something like that and exposing yourself to that possibility? Mm -hmm. Preferably it don't happen, but we don't know, yeah. right? But one of the chief pioneers, that was his chief concern, that that's what may happen. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, why would you expose yourself to that when you have a 99% chance, if you get infected with coronavirus, to get over it and recover? Yeah. Like, it, it just doesn't make sense. And the fact that they're recruiting so heavily in African-American communities yeah. definitely is a, another high concern for me. Yeah, definitely. When they said that they wanted to test it on Black people first, to me, that right. was a red flag because, first of all, Bill Gates and Melinda, why are you even involved with this question? <laughs> exactly. We have a question. Um, well, um, she said that my old boss got flu-like symptoms the next day after receiving the vaccination. Uh, she called her today and they told her that it'll happen. Um, what advice would you give her? So I think, I think she just got over COVID-19 and then she went and got the vaccination and now she's having um, COVID symptoms again after mm -hmm. she just, you know, recovered. So 
what would you say to her? So according to, um, you know, their side effect profile, the flu-like symptoms are part of the common side effects that you get when you get the vaccine. So that's what they're saying. But what I would say to her personally is don't get the second one. <laughs> that's what I would say, because what they're reporting right now is that the messenger RNA, um, it doesn't stick around the body long, like the body do eliminate it, you know, after a while. So once it's eliminated, you know, she should be good as long as she's not, you know, continue to re-inject herself with it. Mm -hmm. But um, if she chooses to get a second dose, I mean, it's a possibility she'll have this experience again. Yes. Um, what would you give, um, what advice would you give to patients who have just recently found out that they um, have COVID-19 right now? So there's a, a few different things. Um, so if you got it, it's a natural way, you know, and then there's some medications that's out there. But um, there's been some good studies about a particular supplement um, called quercetin. Mm -hmm. Quercetin is, is old, you know, like I said, it's nothing new. It's an antioxidant and it's also anti-inflammatory. But they did some studies with the quercetin. And when you compare or not compare it, but put it together with vitamin C, what it does is stop the virus from being able to replicate. Mm -hmm. That means, you know, for the, the infection to get worse per se, yeah. it also decreases the viral load. And it also shuts down what they call the cytokine storm. And that's the whole thing with those inflammatory mediators trigger all this other stuff like the respiratory distress and mm -hmm. um, the cardiovascular complications some people are experiencing. So from a natural standpoint that this is something that you can do to empower yourself is getting some quercetin. Um, like I had said in that video, you know, there's different studies that came out, you know, so people got different doses or whatever that they're recommending. But something that's been more consistent you know, it's around that 500 milligram mark. Mm -hmm. um, so, so some recommend 250 milligrams twice a day, along with vitamin C, 1000 milligrams twice a day. Yes. And then there's the other ones that recommend 500 milligrams twice a day, along with 1000 milligrams of vitamin C twice a day. Okay, um, is that, can they purchase that over the counter? Yes, Okay. all that you can get over the counter. I recommend getting it from like a vitamin store instead of a pharmacy, yeah. uh, but getting it from a vitamin store. And another thing is vitamin D. Vitamin D is very, very important. They got some good research about vitamin D and basically how it has the antiviral effects against coronavirus. And then vitamin D just in general is mm -hmm. something that's excellent to help build your immune system. Yeah. Um, so you want to aim high with the vitamin D. So if you have coronavirus, you know, I recommend taking at least 10,000 units a day for those first two weeks. Yes, definitely. Um, someone asked, could you explain what a carrier is? A carrier. <laughs> so I think that's fake news. But a carrier <laughs> is someone who... Um, may technically have been exposed and may have the virus, but may not be symptomatic. Mm -hmm. So it may be a possibility that they can transmit it to others. But, you know, I don't know. Yeah, That's what they I tell think, me. I think the big uh, common misconception in reference to the vaccine is that people are getting it thinking that if I get the vaccine, it will prevent me from getting COVID-19. And that's, and that's, that's a, not that's the not case. True. Yeah, exactly. that's not the case. Exactly. That's definitely not true. That's why I don't um, think you should do it. It's not worth the risk. And even in in as a, a healthcare professional, 
when we're talking about treatments for patients, we always supposed to look at the benefit and risk ratio. Does the benefit of this outweigh the risk? And to be honest with you, it does not. I mean, the benefit of getting this vaccine that's not guaranteed that it's gonna help prevent you from getting coronavirus, um, it does not outweigh the risk of long-term complications that it may cause. And it may not even be long-term complications. You have people who after getting the vaccine experience complications within those first few days after getting it. Um, some which required hospitalization and some actually required a body bag. I mean, so you gotta think about it. I mean, they're pushing this thing. And to be honest with you, the reason why I feel like they're pushing it, I don't know all the reasons. So, <laughs> but one of them, I mean, they invested billions of billions. dollars into this vaccine, like mm -hmm. billions, but not just governments, but even private investors. Mm -hmm. and so everybody's looking to cash in. So when they say to you, you be like, well, Tamika, how can you say that if they're offering it free for everybody? Because they already got their money. They, <laughs> they got their money. For one, um, and it's not free. Your taxpayer dollars pay for that. So don't think it's free um, the way they're trying to make it seem. But it's, it's a money thing. Um, some other people say it's some other stuff, but I don't entertain all that. I can only go with what I know to be true. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> right. Because, you know, when you really think about it, if every person in the world, not just the United States, um, if they push this and make it mandatory, uh, whether it's for getting on your flight, you know, checking in, you know, whatever the case may be, the vaccine passport, mm -hmm. you know how much money yes. it will make. That's crazy. You know, forcing everybody to take this vaccine. Mm -hmm. And um, I can't help but to wonder if all of this is, you know, motivated by financial gain. Oh, I'm pretty sure that's a yeah, part of it. Like, and um, so I am a bit, you know, hesitant when it comes to things like that, but I try not to, and I try not to tell my patients like, hey, do not get the vaccination because for me, it's kind of out of my scope of practice when oh, to okay. like that. So mm -hmm. I always just say, you know, hey, check with your, your primary care physician, <laughs> you know, do your own research and then you make the educated decision from there. Right. When someone asks, should a carrier be around a person who tested positive? I don't think anybody should be around. Right. I'll say somebody tested positive. Everybody just needs to quarantine that positive person. And that's something too, not to kind of, you know, venture off. This is something that we could do. You know, another thing we can be proactive. If you know you have coronavirus, stay at home. Like <laughs> seriously, quarantine yourself for two weeks. I mean, really don't go around people. Misery loves company, but let's not spread misery in 2021. Yeah. Um, if you got you know, your nasal congestion and runny nose or whatever, and a little cough and you think it's just a little cold, act like you got coronavirus and just stay at home. <laughs> like, don't like intentionally thinking you're okay, you know, and exposing other people to something that maybe they, you know, can't handle too well. Yeah. So when we got to be more responsible on that. End. Yes, definitely. When I think of this virus, so I almost think of it as like a stomach bug. You know, you go around people, but you never know exactly how you got the stomach bug. You just, you know, right, right, exactly. <laughs> and then it just spreads like all over the house, like exactly. So that's uh, that's what I think about when I think about um, mm -hmm. how the how COVID nineteen has been spreading around to everybody. Yeah, it's been crazy. Yes, Miss Linda said um, she's sixty three. Um, should she get the quercetin and vitamin C as a preventative measure? Most definitely. 
A hundred percent, hands down. The good thing about quercetin and vitamin C, very, very low side effect profile. Um, they don't interact with any other medications. So if there's people that's on like other meds for other like high blood pressure, diabetes or whatever, um, no interactions at all. It's pretty safe. Um, so you don't have to worry about it. And the great thing about those together with the studies that they did so far, it did um, show that um, it was able to block you know, the virus from entering your cells. Yes. So that's the good thing. So you can use it as a preventative measure. Um, I know I started taking it and uh, the quercetin, it made, made me a little nauseated. I mean, that is some of the side effects, you know, <laughs> nauseous, nausea is a side effect, but it, it, it does work. I mean, it's actually, I'm around sick people all the time and I'm doing great. Um, and if you do get a little nausea, ginger is always mm -hmm. excellent, you know, yeah. to help with that. But everybody don't experience the nausea. So, yeah. but it can prevent. Yes. Yeah, so what would you say to um, the medical providers who are like pushing it on their patients, telling them, like, why do you think that is? Why I think so. The, the beauty about myself is I'm not employed by anybody. <laughs> so I don't have that to answer to, per se. Um, but I think the, a few reasons. I feel like um, some fear, you know, the, con the consequences that may come with that like loss of their job, loss of their income. Um, others, I feel like sometimes with medical professionals, you, they took some of the smartest people and turned them into puppets. Mm -hmm. and, and I just feel like they're kind of brainwashed and manipulated to believe certain things. And um, others may be too busy to really go and research and study things themselves. So they just trust in whatever the CDC or Dr. Fauci or whatever put out there because they're not taking the time to actually go search a matter out on their own. Um, you know, I used to back with the whole hydroxychloroquine debate when that was going on, you had a lot of providers that were um, saying, hey, no, that's dangerous. You know, you shouldn't give it to patients. It's causing cardiovascular issues, da, 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 da. And the, the truth of the matter, if they actually stopped listening to what CDC and NIH and everybody was telling us to do, but actually go study that for themselves, they would know that um, the CDC and the NIH actually published a study that they um, published in 2005 about hydroxychloroquine. And what they found is that not only does it prevent coronavirus, but also if taken early, it can treat it. And they also showed that it didn't work if you gave it late phase. Mm -hmm. And they also said on there, no more than 400 milligrams a day. Um, so now when they wanted to um, put this disclaimer that it didn't work, and they started putting out all these fake studies, one which got retracted because they found out it was a fake study, mm. um, published in one of the highly acclaimed medical journals out there, The Lancet, they took that one out. But the other studies, what they did, they were giving people toxic doses of the medication. I mean, on an average, like 500 and something milligrams a day, but you already knew they shouldn't take more than 400. So if you give anybody a toxic dose of a medication, you're waiting to precipitate a cardiovascular event to happen. Yeah. The other thing that they were doing in those studies were giving it to people when they were in the hospital, where you already knew from previous research that it didn't work if you waited that long. Yeah. So then they can put out the stuff that it don't work or it was dangerous, and that is so not true. It's an old drug. It's been around for a very long time. We use it for people with autoimmune conditions all the time. Nobody's died from it. <laughs> I mean, it's like, so all that was just like a lot of fake news. And then the whole thing of, you know, not wanting to take away from autoimmune patients, that was a lie too, because majority of all the autoimmune patients that I've seen and taken care of, they're not all on it for one. But then that's not the only drug for autoimmune diseases. There's a lot of stuff out there for it. So it was more just to be able to pretend like nothing is available 
So the only option people have is the vaccine. And yeah. I'm just here to let everybody know you have other options. Right. Because um, to me, it's like, how can countries that are not as advanced as we are, mm -hmm. as the United States, um, there are some countries that have zero cases. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And yep. I think it was like um, also New Zealand um, were able to, I think, keep a low number of cases for mm -hmm. uh, quite some time. Mm -hmm. So like, why can't we do that? Like, what is it about us that we can't control this thing? We can't get it on right. the control. So that, cool. that just makes no sense to me. But you know that that goes back to America. Um, the the problem is that America is not giving their citizens access to treatment. You know, and this is one of the things that's bothering me um, because if you look at other countries, and like I said, some of those countries are like I said more densely populated than we are. You yeah. know, they got people on top of each other and their rates are still lower than ours. But if you look at those countries, like they're giving people access to the hydroxychloroquine. They're giving people access to other medications and treatment that's out there. And even the drug that I didn't mention in my video, because I'm scared they're going to come knock on the door and say, you can't do that now. Um, but even that drug, that drug wasn't studied in the U.S. The studies that we got from it was other countries. Like, look, these people ain't got to get sick and die. There have to be something we can do to prevent or treat it early and not wait for them to get to the hospital. So they were the ones conducting those studies. And so that that's part of the issue. Like they're looking for treatment to help their patients outpatient where the United States is trying to shut all that down because they're pushing this vaccine. And it's sickening to me. And I hope this don't bleep out your show. But to me, it's just genocide at its finest, intentional yeah. genocide. Yeah. You got one of the smartest countries in the world. And like you really want to do that. And because they're hiding information, anything that's good. You know, they're hiding it and burying it like that study I told you about in 2005 that CDC and NIH published. You can't find it anywhere anymore. Yes. OK, so I, it's so so much stuff I want to say. I'm like, <laughs> I know. Right. <laughs> um, so I watched a video. Um, it was a couple months ago. It was about one of the scientists that worked with or for Dr. Fauci. Mm -hmm. And she was um, talking about the Ebola outbreak. Mm -hmm. And in her video, she said that as a scientist, they had to teach the Ebola virus how to attack the human cell. Mm -hmm. They said before the Ebola virus did not attack human cells, they had to teach the virus how to attack human cells. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that that was so interesting. That was yeah, to me. So. I don't know if you heard of this um, type of research that's out there called gain of uh, gain of function studies mm -hmm. and gain of function is um, been going on for some time. And Dr. Fauci has been heavily involved with it for at least 12 years. And um, the, the whole thought and purpose behind gain of function was to you know, manipulate these viruses. So if they were ever used as chemical warfare, biological warfare, like, you know, we would know what to do with it, how to shut it down and how to protect and save the people. Right. Um, so one of the viruses that Dr. Fauci has been manipulating is the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. And so they were doing the studies here at in the United States at the CDC. And what ended up happening, a lot of scientists had pulled out. And they said that they were concerned because of the high risk. They was like, because one misstep can cause a global pandemic. Mm -hmm. Go figure, right? Um, so then what happened, they shut it down at the CDC. Fauci wanted to continue and he moved it over to the Wuhan lab in China. 
<laughs> so yeah. hey, we're here in a pandemic now. Today. We got it. <laughs> but it's them manipulating. They're manipulating stuff. And that's yeah. why for him to pretend like he don't know what to do, I know it's a flat out lie. You've been studying yeah. this for years. Yeah. You know exactly what to do. You know exactly what research studies to hide so people couldn't find them. I mean, you know yes. exactly what to do. And this vaccine is not what's exactly to do. So this, like I said, this is all premeditated and it's intentional and it's sickening. Yeah, and I know, and I know everybody hates Trump, but <laughs> remember he um, was kind of like trying to do away with the World Health Organization. And yes. everybody was like, oh my God, what is mm -hmm. he doing? Mm -hmm. But uh, the second largest donor to the World Health Organization <laughs> is Bill and Melinda Gates. Yes, exactly. Okay. Exactly. I know we probably sound like conspiracy theorists to some of us, to some of you watching, but they fact check us. It's yeah, like all available and stuff. And a lot of this stuff you can find um, if they have not already deleted it um, offline because they are starting to censor what you say on Facebook, on YouTube, you know, across all these different platforms. Mm -hmm. So they take a lot of the information down so you don't have access to it. Right, they do. Yeah, so he was even some. Um, so like I'm not a techie, right? So yeah. you guys don't talk about me too bad. I do like to hold on to my youth, but I'm just not keeping up with all that. But um, I thought that when I would see different studies and articles come out or whatever, that I can just you know copy it, email it to my uh email, and I can have it. I didn't know that they can deactivate links. Mm -hmm. And so a few of the links that I had was some of the scientists um, from Pfizer and Moderna back when they were talking about possible side effects. And it was like, well, we don't know long term side effects, you know, but they said that a concern was autoimmunity. Right. Mm -hmm. So even today, I was just trying to go back and get that. It, I'm telling they deactivated all those links. I mean, <laughs> it's like totally yes. deactivated. And my daughter was like, Mom, you should have printed it out. You should have downloaded it. Like now you tell me. Right. I have deactivated the link. I'm like, this is crazy. So that's another reason why I said don't take it because you got them deactivating links that's giving you pertinent information. You got them withholding treatment and burying studies of about treatment that they know that works. You got the only treatments like even the remdesivir. That's something new. That's something new. And, you know, and, and from looking at the studies that's been done, they're still using it as a standards of care. But if you're looking at the, the studies that was done on remdesivir, it was causing a lot of issues with people's liver. Um, and it didn't it wasn't even significantly um, showing any significant difference in what it did with the virus. Mm -hmm. Like it may took people, you know, get them out the uh, ICU in 11 days instead of 12 or 13. Yes. So it wasn't a significant difference. But yet you're exposing people to this base. I call it a big experiment and trial <laughs> to some medications because they don't know any better. You know, they want to just live right yes. um, to something that don't work. So you're giving them all this new stuff these monoclonal antibodies, all this new stuff and hiding information about old stuff, you know, that they know work. Mm -hmm. So it's like, why would you trust somebody like that? Right. The old stuff, they don't have a patent on the old stuff. They don't have no stock in it. The old stuff is cheap, so they don't make money. Mm -hmm. But all this new stuff, think about it. You can get a hydroxychloroquine for $10. Yeah. But that remdesivir, they was talking about $3,000 a dose. Like, seriously, so they're not making money off of stuff that works. So they're mm -hmm. they're preventing you from getting it. So they're waiting for you to get sick, you know, so you can get all their experimental drugs and they can cash in. So just me. Now, now this is definitely my opinion. A person like me, if somebody was trying to really help me and they really cared, they would take an all hands on deck approach. 
give yeah. me access to what's out there to what may work yeah. you know because what they're trying to force it on people right now they don't know if it works you know so just give me access give me options but the fact that you remove options from me makes me question should i trust you mm -hmm. you know is that really safe yeah. um and that's another reason why i'm not for the vaccine so a few things um that kind of bothered me um was in the beginning of the pandemic no one said anything about strengthening your immune system mm -hmm. they they did not even mention anything about vitamins supplementation like anything it was like Oh, it, it spreads on plastic. It spreads on right. this. I'm like, how can a virus, exactly. a virus mean a host? Exactly. How can a virus. Wait, can you say that again? A virus needs a what? A virus needs a host. It's a plastic bag a host. No. Carry <laughs> 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 a host. Now, you know, you can spread germs like anything else. But they were talking like, oh, the virus can survive on plastic for days at a time. And I'm like, two weeks? Right. Like, that was crazy to me. Another thing um, that stood out to me, and you guys can fact check this on FDA.gov, they um, don't really know if the vaccine has an effect on fertility. So they don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, the third thing that bothered me was that this vaccination is not FDA approved. Right. They gave them an emergency authorized use. Mm -hmm. So I feel like to me, that makes me feel like the Americans, well, not just Americans, but we are guinea pigs. Mm -hmm. We are the fourth clinical phase to see, like, let's exactly. just get out there and see what's going to happen. Right. So those are the things that just kind of stood out to me. And um, I am in a Facebook group and someone mentioned that they are breastfeeding, you know, lactating, breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. And so but, you know, anything we put into our bodies, we can kind of pass along to the child. So mm -hmm. for me as a mom, I just don't know if I would be confident in something with so little research behind it. Right. You know, taking that and then going to uh, breastfeed my child. Right. So, so the interesting thing, too, is that it's called COVID-19 because it came out in 2019. It really didn't come out in 2020. Mm -hmm. It came out in 2019. And I remember last year, I think in November, um, a lot of my patients was coming in and they all was, they were sick, right? But it was like a virus. I was like, it's, I said, it's, it's not the flu, you know, it's not, it's not a cold. It's like, but it's, it's not a bacterial thing. It's like, it's just a virus. I said, but it's a funky virus. And it was like, mm -hmm. it was lasting two weeks. And so I remember just trying different things to, you know, navigate them through it. Um, everybody was living. Um, and then some of my colleagues who work in the hospital, they said they were getting patients last year, the end of last year, well, not last year, it was 2020, but in 2019, they were getting patients at the end of 2019 that they now feel was coronavirus patients and they all were living. They were using regular care that they would give, like regular oxygen or BiPAP, you know, just regular care. And they were all living. Um, and then so now come March of 2020, the announcement, oh, coronavirus is here. Yeah. Now all of a sudden the standards of care changes. So instead of giving them oxygen. Oh, and by the way, the end of 2019, 
when my colleagues in the hospital were taking care of the patients, um, none of them were getting sick either like that. You know, they may get a little something, but it was nothing crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but then um, March 2020, when they announced coronavirus is here, all of a sudden the standards of care change and they start putting people on ventilators. You can't use oxygen. You can't use BiPAP. You're going to put the aerosols in the air and infect the whole hospital, you know, and they made yeah. them go on vents. And the thing is, they already knew going into it that anybody, you put somebody on the vent, the likelihood of them coming off of a vent is one out of 10. Like there's a low likelihood somebody surviving vents anyway. Because not only do ventilators supposed to be like a last use type of treatment, um, but ventilators even cause uh, trauma to the lungs. Ventilators put you at higher risk of like sepsis, which is an infection throughout the whole body. Mm-hmm. It also puts you at higher risk for pneumonia. So the complications that people were dying from, you gotta wonder were they ventilator associated deaths. Yeah. And they knew that going into it. And so now when you look at the numbers, um, initially when it all first started, um, they weren't letting everybody get tested. Mm-hmm. Not at all whatsoever. It was like only the ones that was sick enough or they had to be hospitalized. Those were the only ones they were allowing to get tested. But they knew if they were sick enough to be hospitalized, then they knew they was going to make them go on those ventilators. Mm-hmm. So they knew that was going to increase the deaths. Yes. So I feel like what they wanted to do was paint this picture that is deadly. Oh, it's deadly mm-hmm. to, to evoke fear to make people afraid and get people basically primed and ready for this vaccine rollout that they knew that they were going to do afterwards. Um, So that's that whole thing right there is, um, like I said, totally unbelievable. Yeah. And then I think during that time, too, they were saying something about if they put you on the ventilator, I think the hospital was getting like an extra thirty thousand. Was mm-hmm. it thirty thousand dollars? Yeah, that's what was for called. Every it, person 30, they put on the the ventilator. Yeah, and then um, not only that. Um, anybody that died, you know, they were making them say COVID was the cause of death. Yes, and it wasn't necessarily money for exactly. the diagnosis. Exactly. Yeah. So even people who may have died naturally of a heart attack or naturally mm-hmm. of pneumonia, or pneumonia right. else, they wrote COVID down. Yep. And I want to say this. We are not trying to play down anybody who has lost their lives Definitely to not. COVID-19. It is serious, and especially mm-hmm. if you have underlying conditions, and a lot of people don't even know they have underlying conditions, mm-hmm. you know, when they contract this virus. So right. we are not trying to play down that at all. No. Um, but these are a few things that, you know, do spark concern and should mm-hmm. spark, spark concern in you guys as well. And and that's why I just let everybody know, you know, like when I say, you know, it's 99% of the people are living, you know, yes. I'm not taking away from the 1% or it's actually less than 1%, you know, that died. Um, but the reason why we're here is because we want to empower you to live, you know, yes. to let you know that there are options out there and you don't have to die from coronavirus. And that's the, that's, I know for sure, I guess I can't speak for Dr. Stone Osbeck, but for myself, that's what's fueling my passion. Like there are some things out there that we could do holistically where we can get our bodies better, get our immune systems better, where we don't have to be susceptible to this virus and we don't have to die. So we're trying to bring you some truth, you know, so at the end of the day, you know, you can make some good holistically informed decisions, Mm -hmm. you know, and not what mainstream is putting out there, not making decisions out of fear, but making decisions out of a nice informed mind. Because um, when everyone was doing the protests, you noticed no one mentioned 
anything about COVID-19 numbers increasing. Exactly. Did you notice that? Exactly. Yep. yep. Nowhere on the news. That was like the quietest week we ever right. had. <laughs> yep. They didn't mention anything. And it was like, oh, everybody wore their masks. There were no COVID cases. But <laughs> I can go see my mom for Thanksgiving because... Right. You know, always so many people can be in the house at one time. So and that's crazy too. You know, and that's another thing that, you know, that stirs me. Like nobody everybody's looking now in the moment and they're not thinking long term. Right. And so that's like another thing that stirs me. It's like you have senior citizens that are older. They don't know how much time they got in this earth. Mm-hmm. You know, but the word out here is to stay away from them. You don't want to get grandma sick. Grandma may die just from social isolation. You know, so it's like you're you're making possibly grandma and grandpa's last days um, just not favorable, you know. And then, you know, they're teaching and, and brainwashing our kids that it's not OK to touch. It's not OK to show affection. It's not OK to hug because you may get this virus, mm-hmm. you know. And so, like, what is that doing to our children and their mindsets when it comes to social interaction and engaging in relationships and being affectionate, you know, which for some people, that's their number one love language. You know, so how is that disrupting them? And then we look at the schools, you know, what's going on with the schools and our kids happen to do these virtual schools. That's not everybody's best way to learn, for one. Mm-hmm. Um, and our kids are because, um, you know, I'm also, you know, on a school board um, and our kids are not doing well, you know, in this type of environment. So where is that going to leave our kids? And we don't know when this thing is going to end. So what should we keep a fourth grader in fourth grade for the next four years? So it's over and hope right. that they catch up. But it's like looking at the long term consequences, all the businesses that were lost, all the people who lost their jobs, the people who lost their loved ones. I mean, the people who's committing suicide. Nobody's talking about that. Mm-hmm. And even the mental health crisis. Yeah. I remember back in April. Um, what's the name of that? It's a uh, Express Scripts. They even said that that majority of all the prescriptions for antidepressants and anti-anxieties were all new first time users. Mm. So you got all this. And then I'm me being primary care, dealing with people who have, you know, mental health issues. I mean, it took them on a, a, a crazy high. And so even all that, because fear and what it does to people. So it's like, you know, I. I I hear some person call himself doing a rebuttal against my video and his video was whack, but people who don't know any better wouldn't know, but whatever. But he was a neurologist. And it's like, that really upsets me to hear about all these other specialists, you know, thinking they got an opinion, mm-hmm. you know, when you're not in primary care, they're not getting those phone calls from their patients that's scared that's terrified, that don't know what to do. And they're like, help, help, you know, and then our hands were tied, you know, that we could give the help to people that we've been caring for for years, or if their loved one is in the hospital and, and possibly may be on their last breath, that they can't even be there to hold their hand. You know how horrible and, and heart-wrenching that is? Yes. All for something that could be prevented, all for something that could be treated early, you know, if the powers that be allow people access to treatment. Like, that is horrible. And, and for me, in primary care, this has been the most terrifying you know, experience that I've ever seen in all my years. Yes. I've never seen nothing like it. That's why we have to be empowered. We can't fall prey to this agenda or regime that they got going on. Do stuff to, to boost your immune system. Be empowered with education. You know, understand what's really going on. And, and if you still choose to do the vaccine, I mean, you have that right. right. But if you have some information 
to be able to make good informed decisions and not in decisions that's just based out of pure fear. How do you feel about the bill that they tried to pass in DC, um, giving kids, um, giving them permission to give vaccinations to your kids without the parents' consent? Oh, you know I don't like that. <laughs> you already know. I look. I, I was really like, <laughs> you talking about some mama bears on the uproar? <laughs> they don't want to mess with the mom's cubs. I can see that right now. But you know what? This is something that um, they have secretly been doing, and I feel like when there's so much chaos on the news, that's mm-hmm. when they kind of slide these kind of bills in. Like, for instance, in California they make it mandatory now to get vaccinations for your kid. There is no longer the philosophical and religious exemption in the state of California, in the state of New York. And I think, is it, is it Florida? Really? I'm not is sure. Is this for all vaccines or just the, the COVID vaccine? The, all vaccines to get your kids wow. into school. So a lot of people don't realize you, ha- you in most states now, you have an option on whether or not you want to get your kid vaccinated to start school. They scare you by saying, oh, if you don't get this vaccination, your child cannot enroll into school. Mm. But that's not true. Right. You can get a religious or philosophical exemption from mm-hmm. your, your health department, your local health department. All they have to do is sign it and notarize it, give it to the school nurse, and that your child can start school. Right. But they don't tell you that. Mm-hmm. They tell you, oh, if you don't get the vaccination, if you don't give your child the vaccination, they're going to get sick. They're going to die. They can't enroll in school. But that's that is not true. And I've lived right. in four states, mm-hmm. and my daughter has not had to have vaccinations. Oh, that's great. So, and her immune system, honey, is stronger than mine. Let me tell you that because. Mm-hmm. The turkey, I got sick, you know. Uh-huh. Just, <laughs> she was just walking around like, like What's wrong with you? <laughs> that's funny. So, um, you know, you have to stop just taking what people say as complete truth, and you right. have to do your research mm-hmm. on these different things. You know, right. you have to you have to check it out for yourself. Um with the hospital visits, my friend, when they were having their first child and they had an issue with the hospital, like their rule was that, you know, one person can go back there with you um, for your OBGYN visit. And once they got up there, the lady stopped her husband and was like, no, you can't go back there with, with her. And this is their really? first child, you know, oh, yeah, and they had already, you know, got clearance from downstairs. They gave them a name tag and everything. But when they got up there, they told him, oh, you can't go back. And then they yes. called security on him. It was like a really? It was a big thing. Oh, yeah. that is horrible. Yeah, it was at um, Emory in Atlanta. Really? That is terrible. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's just mm. been, a, I think this has been really stressful for for everyone all across the board for, you know, restaurants, businesses, you know, school, you know, teachers, pastors, you know, not being able to have church, you know, I think it's just, it's affected people across the board. It has. has. And I think the, the, the burning thing with me is that it didn't have to be this way. 
Yeah. No. Yeah. So. Well, do you have any final words that you want to leave with our guests that are watching out there today? Oh my gosh. Yes. I would say everybody take some quercetin. <laughs> <laughs> Just start off with 250 milligrams a day <laughs> with some vitamin C, a thousand milligrams a day um, and some vitamin D, you know, 5,000 international units a day. Definitely do that. That's going to help you out a lot. Another thing that you can do to boost your immune system, to make you better, I call it armed and dangerous, you know, um, dairy is not our friends. No. Um, dairy is something that's very, very pro-inflammatory. It also increases mucus production, mm. um, which also puts you at higher risk for respiratory issues. Mm. Um, so stay away from dairy. Dairy is like your milk, your cheese and your ice cream. And, you know, they put something in dairy intentionally to make you crave it. Right. Mm -hmm. It's something yeah. called caseomorphs mm -hmm. that mimics morphine, you know, so you just mm -hmm. just be careful with that. They got a lot of a lot of non-dairy options out here. Other thing is drink a lot of water. You know, technically it's supposed to be half your body weight in water a day. Staying hydrated is very, very important. Getting proper sleep is also, I know, they got some vegan <laughs> cheese. This is one called BioLife that's actually really good. Yeah. <laughs> and no, I'm not on a payroll, but I just taste it myself. It's really good. Um, but, um, but exercise, another thing I've noticed, too, with patients um, who exercise on a regular basis, they actually did a lot better, you know, mm -hmm. when they did get the infection. So exercising is also good. Getting proper sleep. You want a good seven to eight hours straight of sleep every night. Good, proper, restorative sleep. Mm -hmm. um, and the last thing I would say is get out of fear. Get out of fear. Um, get out of that social isolation because all that depresses your immune system and it makes you more susceptible to get sick. Go out enjoy your life have a good time enjoy the people that god has placed you to be in community and relationship with and just understand if it's not your time to go you ain't going nowhere yes and where can they purchase the quercetin you said that was over the counter and yeah you can get that at any vitamin store and i know like um i, I bought some at vitamin shop it's mm -hmm. uh, vitamin then s-h-o-p-p-e um dot com and they actually have um where you got the cursor and vitamin C is actually together, you know, yeah. in one capsule. Oh um, and then, you know, different um, naturopathic pharmacies, you know, I use some myself as well, too. They also have it. So um, it's, it's all over the place, though. So you can get it. So get yeah. you some. I mean, the studies are looking excellent. Um, and that's something, like I said, that arm you and, and get you well. Yes, definitely. Vaccine well, free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, they gonna be delete my video now. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Y'all better hurry up and watch it. <laughs> I know. Well, thank you again so much for uh, coming on my show. I'm so blessed to um, to have you here, um, you guys. If you need to contact her, this is her information. She is located in Michigan. Um, so if you are in that area, definitely hit her up. Um, I'm sure she will be an amazing provider for you to have. Also, um, with Random Health-ish, we are live every Monday night at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Make sure you tune in next week. Well, I will be interviewing Ms. Sheila Sullivan. And she is going to be talking to us about the HIV and AIDS epidemic because it is not over and it is very real and still going on today. OK, so thank you so much, you guys, for tuning in. I hope you guys have a blessed night and we will talk to you soon. Bye. <laughs>